What brings meaning to life? Well, I, I believe trust brings many meaning to life. And, and I think oftentimes we begin to um, think it's all the external things that brings meaning to life. If, if I have the right job, I'll have a greater meaning in my life. When I get my education, I'll have more meaning in my life. If I make a certain salary or I have a certain amount of money saved, then I'll have meaning in my life. If I, I have the right relationship, if I'm married, if I have kids, or I have grandkids, if the kids are out of the house, all of a sudden I will have meaning in my life. If my wife gets it together, I'll have meaning in my life. If my husband gets it together, I'll, if my kids can... some. And I think we put all these external things as the reason or the way that we find meaning in life. But I think if we were honest, we would understand that meaning in life is not found by the external things, but it's an internal thing. Trust brings meaning to life. And I think we would say, oh, yeah, that's true, but if we were honest with ourselves... I think oftentimes, even though we would say, yeah, that's true, Pastor, trust brings meaning to life. The meaning of life is internal, not external. I think we would find that oftentimes we put external things as a primary source of meaning in our life. And let me do just a little bit of a, uh, and I want you to answer honestly. I want you to answer yourself. Don't yell them out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, answer this question honestly. My life will be better when. Now, I'm having you do that quietly because I don't want somebody to yell out when the preacher gets done preaching, my life will be better. But answer that question to yourself. And, and I think if we, if we were honest, oftentimes, even though we would say there's in, the internal things are the most important things, I believe oftentimes if we were honest about what our answer is here, it is these external things that I've talked about. My life will be better when I'm retired. My life will be better when I'm through this sickness. My life will be better when I'm married. My life will be better when I have an education. My life will be better when I'm retired. What if the answer to this is my life will be better when I learn to trust God more. Whatever the external circumstance you're going through, what, what, wherever you find yourself, whether the circumstances are good, whether you feel like there's more to do, whether you feel like there's less to do, wherever you find yourself, what if the answer to this question, that life will be better, is not found in any of these external things, but an, inter an internal change within us and where we're just trusting God more in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. See, life is an opportunity. <laughs> we're here just for a, a few years and, and, and then it's gone. It's, it's just a flash. James says life is like a vapor and it's gone. And, and the older we get, the more we realize that James is true. I can remember when I was younger, and, and maybe some of you can relate to this. When I was a younger man, uh, I used to think week to week. You know, life went week to week, and that's kind of how life flowed. And, and, and then as I grew older, life began to flow month to month. And then it seems like the times of life went from season to season. And, and now that I have kids in school, it's like life goes from school year to school year. And life just seems to get quicker every day. 
I, I can remember when I was 18 or 19 years old, I, I looked at the year 2000, and I thought, in the year 2000, I will be 37 years old. And I can remember thinking, man, that is so old. In the year 2014, 37 doesn't sound near as old as it did in 1980. That's kind of like that. Life goes quick. The, the other day we were driving, Friday, we were driving back from, from Hamilton, and the boys were following me. Uh, we had three cars coming from Hamilton, and the boys were following me, and I, and I had my right turn signal on for like 20 miles going up I-75. And, and then I, I turned the left signal on to get a merge on 675. I had another 20 miles, and they were following me. Finally, Wyatt called me and said, hey, Dad, you've had your right signal on for 20 miles. Now your left turn signal been on for 20 miles. I said, Wyatt. Your dad is an old man, and that's just how we drive. <laughs> I call it preemptive signaling. At some point, I'll probably turn in that direction. <laughs> you know, life goes quicker. We're, we're all getting older, and, and, and life is an opportunity. You know, we, we sometimes look at ourselves, when, when did we stop being young? <laughs> when did that happen? And this limited opportunity of, of life, it's, it's so important that we make the most out of every opportunity. My, my father had a, a guy, dad, dad was a barber, and I used to go to the barber shop uh, back when barber, I, you know, barber shops are different now. Back then, you know, it was just where people would come and sit and talk. <laughs> and I used to go and watch, listen to these guys talk, and there was a guy that came in one time that went to a Joe Lewis fight. Joe Lewis, most of you know, was this heavyweight fighter, and he, he spent all sorts of money in his day for this ticket and, and went to see the fight and dropped his scorecard, bent over to pick up the scorecard, and leaned back up, and the fight was over. <laughs> You know, no, no instant replay on the screen, no ESPN to go to later. You know, missed the opportunity. Life can be like it. You can go by it. We, we were at Cocoa Beach and, and the, with the family and <laughs> weird vacation. Uh, they, they were working on the, the condo we were staying in at 5 a.m. in the morning, banging on the doors. And they were yelling at the kids for making noise in the pool at 3 p.m. because the guy's getting up at 5 a.m. need to sleep in the afternoon. So uh, that's a whole other story. But, but while we were there, I got up and read the paper or watched the news the next day. And there had been a space launch <laughs> just down the road. From, all I had to do was walk out on the beach and we could have watched a rocket ship take off. And I've thought about that often. When, when do you have those kind of opportunities? Life's like that. It's an opportunity. It's here and it's gone. I know this church has been known as a softball church in the past. You've had all sorts of good softball teams. And, and I guess, Todd, you're really good now too, right? Oh, yeah. You ever, and I know none of you guys, ever, you ever swing and miss? <laughs> you know, there, there's the opportunity and you swing and miss. You know, it's, I think the worst thing that happens is when you swing, but you make the wrong kind of contact. Anybody ever had, you know, it just vibrates up your arm? You know, life is an opportunity, and we don't want to swing and miss, and, and we don't want to miss hit and have the bat vibrate us all the way back home, uh, but we want to make solid contact with life. And, and to make solid contact with the opportunities of life, it's not about the externals, but it's about the internals. You know, I want you to know that, that God cares about our day-to-day -day lives. 
God's just not concerned about Sunday morning church and Wednesday night prayer meeting and, and, and Sunday school classes and, and, and those kind of things. I want you to know that God cares about every aspect of your life. All of life is sacred. There is not secular and sacred in the mind of God. All of your life is sacred, and God cares about every detail of your life. He wants you to make the most out of every opportunity that life gives you. And this week, God will give you opportunities to make the most of it. As a matter of fact, take a breath. Can I do that with me? Take a breath. That's an opportunity God just gave you. You know, that breath is from God. Every moment, every second, every day that you have, every hour is an opportunity. And God wants you to make the most of it. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus has come. And the purpose, one of the reasons Jesus has come is that we may have this abundant abundant life. And, and sure, this is about, you know, there, there's a heaven to come and a, and a hell to shun and there's all those things. There's an end of life. But, but I believe God wants us to make the most of this opportunity of life right now. I believe this ideal of abundant life is not just a heavenly hope, but it's life in the here and now. It's not life without issues or life without trouble, but it's this abundant life, this peace, this joy, this meaning, regardless of the circumstances you're going through. It's real relationships, a real relationship with your heavenly Father, not just a, a religious activity, but this real, vibrant relationship with God and real relationships with each other. You, you know, I, I, I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer says the only way, reason we can have real relationships with each other is because of what Jesus did on the tree. Because what Jesus did on the cross, we can have real relationship with each other. We really see what love is, and we can really love each other, and we can really know each other. This life worth living begins internally, not externally. Not in your circumstances. And the key is trust. Trust brings meaning to life. This past week, I was reading... Ruthless Trust. Ruthless Trust is a book by Brennan Manning. Some of you know who he is. Brennan Manning was a, a Catholic priest that, that wrote a lot of books in the 20th century, awesome books, and really had a lot of struggles in his life. He wrote um, Abba's Child, Ruthless Trust, Ragamuffin, Gospel, and then he, he just died last December. But, but in Ruthless Trust, at the beginning of it, he goes to his spiritual director and he's trying to get further direction on life and, and, and faith. And, and, and the director says this to him, Brennan, you don't need any more insights into faith. You've got enough insights to last you 300 years. The most urgent need in your life is to trust what you've received. I just kind of have a feeling that's us in the church. To be honest, you probably don't need another sermon. You don't need another lesson. You need to trust what God has already told you to do. You know, let's face it, most, most of you in this church, 
you, you've been going here. I, I, everybody in this church, as far as I can tell, has been going to this church for 50 years. <laughs> That's not true. That's an exaggeration. But many of you have been going to this church or another church your entire life, and you've received insight after insight after insight, instruction after instruction. Maybe the answer in your life is not more instruction, but just to trust God with what he's giving you already. Are we trusting with what we already know? And, and I guess the question for today is how much do you trust God? Now, now, I think when we use this word trust, I, trust and, and faith in a lot of ways are inter- interchangeable. As a matter of fact, you'll, you'll find in your Bible translations that, that some may use faith and trust, and, and these words are kind of used, and they kind of flow together. And, and I think there is a strong connection between the ideal of uh, faith and trust. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can trust without having faith first. Faith is primary, and, and, and trust is something that flows from faith. As a matter of fact, I wrote that trust is what makes faith personal. Faith says God is love. Trust says God loves me. Faith says God heals. Trust says God heals heals me. Faith says God forgets, forgives and forgets. Trust says God forgives and forgets my sins. See, that, that, that's the problem. Sometimes we say, you know, God loves, but he doesn't really love me. God forgives and forgets, but he remembers my sins. You know, God has a plan for everyone but me. <laughs> or, 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 or we'll say, you know, God is present everywhere, but not in this circumstance. See, trust takes that faith and makes it personal in your life. God is present everywhere, and he's present in the circumstance you find yourself in today. Now, there's this great story in in Mark chapter 9 that I believe illustrates this, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and, and, and he's, he's with Peter, James, and John and he has this great event on the mountain where, where they see Elijah and they see Moses and it's just awesome event and, and, and very spiritual and Jesus is transformed or transfigured. We don't have time to go into all that. And he comes down to, to a, a, a confusing scene in verse 14 of chapter 9. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. <laughs> you know, there is an aside. It seems like most of our great spiritual events are followed by these kind of scenes. <laughs> so be aware. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. They asked him, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you, my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and, grind, at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. He answered and said to him, O oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. 
They brought the boy to him. When he saw him immediately, the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It's often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began questioning privately, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. I believe. Help my unbelief. I think this is a verse that, that resonates with most people. When, when they hear the Father crying this out, at some point in your life, you've said something very similar. I believe, God. Help my unbelief. See, I think this is the difference between faith and trust. I think the Father could say, with God, anything is possible. Say that with me. With God, anything is possible. I think the Father could say that and say, yes, my God is a consuming fire. My God is a strong tower. My God is able to heal. My God is able to raise the dead. That is my God. That's faith. But where he struggled was, in my life, anything is possible with God. Can you say that with me? In my life, anything is possible with God. That was the rub. See, he had the faith that God could, but could God do that in his life? That is trust. It is faith with feet. It is faith put to action. It is faith that is personal. It is faith that is real to me. We sang in, in our worship time, um, Oceans, and, and, and this has been a series that's been in my heart for, for several months. I, I've wanted to preach this since last summer, and I, I love the, the bridge in this song. It says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Trust without borders. See, that, that's my desire, and I, I, I hope it's your desire that you would have a trust that does not have human limitations, unnatural borders on it, but, but the borders on your trust would be borders that God would place on your trust. That, that we would trust God where He wants us to go. And, and over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at some common borders that we, we put on our trust and, and ways that we limit what God wants to do in our life. This morning, I want to focus on one, one final thought, and it's this perfect example of trust, and it's Jesus. Jesus is this perfect example of making faith personal and, and trusting God with every aspect of, we, of his life. Jesus is just trust personified. 
You know, however God leads Jesus, he goes and he does and he serves. And, and we see this particularly in the last week, in the Passion Week. And, and we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's praying, you know, not, you know, take this cup from me. Father, this is not what I want to do. Is, is there some other way? But not my will, but your will. That's trust. Not my will. Your will. We we find Jesus on the cross, and and folks, these images of the cross, we hear them so often, we cannot begin to understand the suffering that Jesus went through on our behalf. Not because he wanted to, but not my will, but your will. As a matter of fact, in one of the gospels, there's this this powerful image, and Jesus is on the cross, and, and this you know, he's felt this intimate connection with his father his entire life. You know, God was not just an abstract ideal to him. God was his Abba father, his daddy father, this intimate connection. And here's Jesus, this perfect example of obedience. In the midst of this perfect obedience, Jesus has this profound thing that he says. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the moment of his greatest obedience, Jesus senses that his father has turned his back on him. I don't know about you folks, but that is powerful and disturbing. And I don't think we even can begin to understand the physical and emotional and spiritual suffering that Jesus went through on our behalf. At the end... Jesus is dying, and what's he say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, I like how the message writer puts it. Of course, this is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, and he writes it like this. Father, I place my life in your hands. That's trust. In the moment when God's son felt forsaken and alone, and he was beaten, and he was suffering. When things weren't going according to his plans, Jesus said, Father, I'm just putting my life in your hands. What if we lived that this week? Well, what if in the circumstances of our life, and in the midst of, and you'll have conflict this week. <laughs> you know, conflict kind of follows us, right? I pulled out of here on that crazy intersection there, and I, I had plenty of time, and if it was somebody in this church, you owe me an apology. I had plenty of time to get in front of this lady, and, you know, she, she had her signal on, but I had plenty of time. And I was all the way in my lane, and she swerved and blew her horn at me. It really is not funny. <laughs> Conflict will come. You know, something will go wrong at work or at home in a relationship with your wife or your husband, and there'll be conflict. What if in those moments you said, before you said anything else, Father, into your hands I give my life? What could happen? You know, what could happen at work when when things went haywire, when, when you're getting blamed for something you didn't do or something you did do? What if in those moments you said, Father, into your hands I give my life? You know, all these circumstances, when, when you go to the doctor's office and the diagnosis is not good, when, 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 when you, we don't get the job or you do get the job or whatever circumstance you find yourself, what if this became 
your little saying. Father, I place my life in your hands. See, God's present in this place. Faith says that's true. Trust sees him. There's this song uh, by Jesus Culture, which is a, a newer worship band, and it's called I Won't Relent. And there's a tag, and every time I hear it, it gets me. In the middle of the song, just several times in a row, the, the lead singer says, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. Stand with me. Will Amy, if you can come play. If you don't know now, I'm kind of an altar person. And I believe the altar is important. And I believe in the altar is a way that we put trust, put legs on our faith, and make it more than what we think, but what we live. And so there's not going to be a great call today, but maybe. Maybe you just need to come pray. Maybe you just want to stand. Maybe you just want to express that, that your faith is real. And as Amy plays, we're, I'm going to pray and we're just going to wait for a second. Maybe you just want to come and kneel. Maybe you want to come and stand. But this is just an opportunity to put feet on your faith and meet with God. Respond quickly. Heavenly Father, right now we, um, we see you. You are here. And you care. Lord, it's, it's so easy to get distracted in life. And, and we become consumed with external things. Some of them are pretty important. You know, when a child strays from faith and gets in trouble, that's worthy of our distraction. But, but Lord, may it not distract us so much from you that we can't trust. Lord, I believe you have a, a divine plan for all humankind, but Lord, I also believe my name's written on your hands. There's not a hair on my head that's not numbered. A sparrow can't fall to the ground without you knowing. And that's the kind of care you have for each person in this room. God is love. Trust says, God loves me. And so Lord, in this room this morning, kneeling and standing, there's people who are struggling with with not faith, but a personal express, expression of it. Wherever you would call us. Lord, there's people that um, you're moving in certain directions and, and Lord, they sense it, they know it. A pastor doesn't have to preach it or say it. Lord, your Spirit's speaking it to their soul and 
And Lord, you're saying serve or go or, re or restore, give. Lord, right now I pray that um, you'll give them trust without borders. To realize that our God is able, not only in others' lives, but he is able in my life and in their life. Give us this personal trust, Lord, that, that allows us to respond to your spirit and bring glory to your name. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence here. Lord, as we leave this place, may, may this not, um, may we, we, we understand that really that it begins outside these walls. It's easy here, it's, it's hard out there, and, and where it matters, Lord, is in our homes, at our workplace, at school, in our neighborhoods, Lord. That's where faith matters. May we be people of trust, people of faith, people of power, people of light. May we be salt to a hurting, hungry world. And Lord, may we truly commit our lives to your hands.